0: Welcome again to Filled With His Love, where we talk about strengthening attachment relationships. So, today I've titled this presentation, Uh, Charity Is Not Puffed Up. The subtitle is kind of different, Rethinking Self-Esteem. So, this being not puffed up, comparing charity to being not puffed up, is another way that the scriptures are teaching us using a non-example or the opposite of what uh, we are after. In other words, being puffed up is the opposite of love. Uh, it is not what we are seeking. So definitions of being puffed up are pretentious, self-absorbed, self-important. Narcissistic would be a common term nowadays kind of caught up in ourselves very puffed up not charity now usually we think of self-esteem and that's why i titled this uh, rethinking self-esteem we usually think of self-esteem as a very positive thing we want to build it in our children i'm not saying self-esteem is a terrible thing that we should absolutely uh, not pay any attention to but i'm saying we need to rethink it it's it's actually if you look at the word esteem esteem is measuring the worth of something so we measure the worth of ourselves or we measure the worth of our neighbor Um, self-esteem is measuring the worth of oneself and actually that doesn't really fit very well with the gospel i'll talk about that in just a minute if we look at uh, high self-esteem we say well high self-esteem would normally be considered always a positive thing. The higher the self-esteem, the better. Well, actually what researchers have found is high self-esteem can lead to overconfidence. It can lead even to emotional problems, delusional kinds of feelings that we think that we're more capable or better than we actually are at a time. This causes us problems and emotional difficulties. So self-esteem is not something that we necessarily should think of all the time building in our children or in one another. The Gospel concept is we are of infinite worth. In other words, if esteem is measuring the worth of something, well, we don't need to do that. We know that we are of infinite worth. We are sons and daughters of God the Father. We have infinite worth. That's a given. Self-efficacy is a little bit of a step forward, I think. I like the idea of self-efficacy. It was developed by Albert Bandura, a psychologist at Stanford uh, years ago. Uh, This has been around for half a century. But I had a a close colleague at the university who worked with uh, Bandura when he was developing this very concept. Self-efficacy, and this colleague told me about the process and how he helped contribute actually to the idea of self-efficacy. Self-efficacy, I believe, has more applicability in a gospel sense. <clears throat> we all want to be able to accomplish something. We all want to be able to do what we are called to do. For example, in a church calling, uh, people who have self-efficacy feel that belief that they can actually accomplish what they've been asked to do with the help of the Lord. And so it's it has kind of a faith um, idea lying underneath it, Uh, when we have high self-efficacy, we believe that we can do something mainly because we have shown ourselves before that we can do it and now we're going to push ourselves a little farther because we have enough self-efficacy that we have confidence that we can take another step ahead and improve. So I I like this idea of self-efficacy. It has lots of applicability in our lives, I believe, as members of the church. So, the ultimate concept for me, rather than self-esteem or self-efficacy, is self-compassion. This term is not really used in the scriptures, but certainly compassion is used. And what the uh, second great commandment says is, love thy neighbor as thyself. So, this is really what we're supposed to do. This is showing us what, it doesn't say, esteem thy neighbor, measure thy neighbor measure the worth of thy neighbor and measure the worth of yourself, it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. So, self-compassion has this idea of accepting oneself, of being um, forgiving of oneself, and and also this love of oneself. Now, This is one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. You've heard this, I'm sure, before, but I want to go over it again. It's just so powerful. C.S. Lewis was a British writer and lay theologian. He said, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. And we actually believe that is what we are living in. We're living among people who have the potential in the next life, in the eternal worlds, be gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, that creature, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. In other words, some people in this life do work their way into corruption and nightmarish kinds of things. So, then he says, all day long we are in some degree, and this is what I think is so important when we talk about relationships, all day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. In other words, to a destination of horror, destination of misery, or a destination of exaltation. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them, in other words, our understanding, our perception of these things, that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. Now think about this for a minute. Think about if we conducted our politics in ways where we saw each other as eventual eternal beings rather than uh, as political opponents. And in play, if we played with each other in sports, uh, not so much as opponents and enemies, but as ones helping each other to succeed and find joy. In our friendships, in our loves, everything we do is affected by our view of the person we are relating to. So now he finishes this off. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. That's worth repeating. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is, is to ours as the life of a gnat. I love this one. He's saying, sure, the things of the earth are mortal the objects, the buildings, civilizations, and their endurance is not eternal. It is to ours like the life of a gnat, which is almost instantly gone. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors, or everlasting splendors. I would urge you to kind of reread this quote and think about it. Um, The brethren have used it often in talks or parts of it in talks, but the whole quote itself is so powerful. And it just comes down always in the end to relations and how we have these relationships with each other because we see each other as immortals and not mere mortals. So the quality of every relationship depends on how we see each other. And this is really the purpose, I think, of the gospel. So charity is not puffed up. Charity is not where we measure someone else's worth on some scale. Charity is accepting them, accepting ourselves, Accepting God into our lives and being loved by Him and showing our love for Him. Of all the places that I think we can understand this principle the most is in temples. Temples remind us of our immortality and our aim for eternal life. The symbols in the temple all point us to God. remind us of the Savior and His Atonement. They all help us see each other as immortal and powerful eternal human beings who will one day sit with God, associate with Him and with each other in eternal life. It's my prayer that we can all do that. I know we can. Uh, It just takes effort and thought every day. That is my prayer for us all. And I hope to see you next time.